I'm sure that some of you have uh, some of you have heard or listened to parts of or the whole speech that the president made last night. Has anybody? Okay. Well, here's uh, I want to set a context for this, and uh, we've been talking, you know, for a long time about our role as image bearers. We've been talking about forgiveness. We've been talking about the power we have in the finished work of Christ. And I just wanted to read uh, a a section of Scripture that applies so directly, and I want to lead us in prayer. I want to lead you in prayer and myself. uh, So 1 Timothy chapter 2 begins like this. First of all, then, I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgiving be made on behalf of all men. So let that word on behalf have meaning to you. Uh, because the prayer that we're going to pray in a minute is partly for us, and there's a reason here, and it's partly for the people we're going to pray for. Okay? Uh, at least that's how I take my first step at understanding and trying to obey the idea of on behalf. If I was to pray on behalf of you, I'd be praying for something for you. Um, Okay, so first of all, then I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgiving be made on behalf of all men, for kings and all who are in authority. And here's the reasoning behind it in this scripture. So that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. So if there's no other motive for praying for the people that lead us, that's one that is worth doing. And you could say, well, isn't that kind of selfish? And I go, well, I don't know. Take that up with Paul. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I, I think not. I think living peacefully, freely and tranquilly is a good thing. And so uh, that is th- so this scripture serves as a bit of an authority for the fact that I'm going to ask us to pray okay. and to kind of meet all that could be stirred up in the culture by virtue of what was spoken last night and what's being responded if you go into media or anything along those lines. So, uh, but then this goes on to explain even further the significance of this. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior. So God probably was watching the speech and he probably is watching everybody's reactions, but he is certainly going to be watching us pray. Right? Okay. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, we don't have to go into a big uh, theological, eschatological exegesis of that. The parallel there is that we've been asked to, to pray for all men, particularly those in leadership, and that God wants all of them saved. So there is an arena in which we know we can align our prayers and our hearts and our thoughts with his and be on the same page, right? For there is one God and one mediator also between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, the testimony given at the proper time. So, in light of that, that's, that was pretty comforting to me. There were some things said and there was some uh, staging done 
that when I first saw it, I thought somebody had like mocked that up or photoshopped it because nobody in their right mind would create that as a backdrop, you know, for a political speech. But nevertheless, uh, so I want you to know that I was as tempted as some of you may have been and some of you may not have been and bless you for that. But I was as tempted as any of you to feel offended by that or to feel hurt, be scared, get all wound up, whatever the case is. But then I remembered this, and I felt like the Lord just wanted us to pause and pray for the president and pray for the other other team members and forces and counselors and influencers that that uh, felt like that line in the sand was a good line to draw. So uh, if we can pray, uh, the mic will be open. Pray for just a few minutes, and then we'll get into the activities of tonight. So, Father... I thank you that Paul wrote these words to Timothy in a time when an empire like the Roman Empire was ruled by an emperor who claimed that he was God and one who had a system around him that enforced that as reality for the subjects of that kingdom and that people were required to worship him. I thank you that if it applied then, it can really apply now. And so we pray for our president. We pray for his team of advisors. And we release the work of Christ into their lives and over them. It's not a new release. That work was released a long time ago, and I know that you can see the events of their life from the time that they were infants, just born. You know the influences, you know the opportunities, you know the brushes they've had with your scripture in Sunday school or with parents or others. You know, the influence that your church has had over them, both positively and negative. You know everything. You see it all. And you still desire that all men be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. And that would include all of the men and women that we can include in this prayer. And so, Lord, we take your side. And we confess freely that we want to live quiet and peaceful and tranquil lives. We don't want to be embroiled in conflict that is not necessary, in conflict that could be resolved if you have your way and people all over this country and all around this world come to know the truth fully in Jesus. And Lord, we confess, if if it's appropriate, I confess that there's not just only a part of me that would rise up in judgment and in bitter words, accusations, and condemnation over some of the stuff that was said and is being said. But there's a part of me that, that wants to. And that's the part that I lay before you and I thank you for your work on my behalf for. And if there's any of that in any of us, 
we want to lay it aside because that stands directly opposed to us being able to be used as image bearers in this situation for the love and the, the forgiving work that Jesus did. So Lord, we trust you to sort out all that is wrong and we leave judgment into your hands as best as we possibly can. So we pray for President Biden, his team, his advisors, his family. We pray for the political connections and I don't even know how to describe it all without using pejorative language sometimes and that, that would defeat the purpose of what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to genuinely stand here and lead us into a manifestation of the glorious gift of being image bearers and the glorious gift of the finished work of Jesus. Your desires are pure. And so we say, Father, in the name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, have your way. Have your way with us, for sure. And have your way with these that we that are in authority over us and that have these positions of power. Anybody else want to add anything? I'd like to just craft a decree and dec declare prayer right now on the spot. <laughs> so, Lord, we just decree and we declare, Father, we decree and we declare your, word your word that you want all men to be saved. That includes Joe Biden and all of his administration and all of our leaders across the United States. And that includes the leaders in the world. Sorry. <laughs> Amen. Father God, we just um, I just speak over the election coming up that regardless of the party, regardless of the person in each state, each location, that uh, each of those people elected, we just declare over them that they would have a sense of right and justice, which is rooted in you. We declare their, your presence over them, that whatever motives people have, whatever that may be tainted, whatever, and we say, Lord, we just ask that their eyes would be opened to truth, to wise solutions, to be able to work with others without division. And we do speak that peace, uh, just as written in your word, we just speak that there would be an ease and peace that men would live together. And we just speak against the division, and rather we just pray the peace of Jesus Christ upon all men, upon all women. And we declared specifically over President Joe Biden, we declare peace upon him. We declare the name of Christ upon him. We declare him that he can stand before God, forgiven and righteous because of the work of Christ.
and Lord, let him see who he is. And Lord, um, there is no righteous party. <laughs> there is no. We like to pick sides, but um, and some things are better than other things. But uh, let us not walk in self righteousness about who we like. Um, but rather in humility, submit each of these people to you, that they would do what is right and just in the name of Jesus. And we come before you and we humble ourselves that it is not us who make it, that we are not Lord, you are Lord, <laughs> that you are Lord. We just declare you and we confess that you, Messiah, you are Lord, Yeshua, that you are Lord, that you are Lord, that you are Lord. And we bring um, our president before you. We bring Joe Biden as a man, not just as a president, but as a man. We bring um, Kamala Harris. We bring all those that are surrounding, all those that are in leadership. And we do our best to try to... Um, just to try to do what you commanded us and what we've been learning. And, and I just state out loud that you are forgiven. You are loved. You are loved. We speak love over you. You are loved. You are wanted. The God of the heavens, the great judge, the great good one, <laughs> the most amazing, the king of the kings wants you, loves you. He forgives you. He forgives you. We forgive you. We speak it out on earth as it is in heaven. You are innocent. Before the great judge of heaven, Yeshua has made you innocent. And we speak out that this is the great mystery. This is the mystery. The Messiah is already in you. The Messiah is in you. He is, he is there. So we thank you, Father, and we, we pray that you will draw that you, we not even just say, I'm just thankful that you are drawing every person, every man, every woman. You have drawn them as Jesus was lifted up from the earth to defeat um, death, to defeat, to defeat the rulers of this world. That you, because of that moment, because of that time, because of that moment, you are drawing, you have drawn every man, every woman to yourself. So we agree with you. We want that. We want what you want. We love what you love. We forgive what you have forgiven, and we declare innocence. Father, we just thank you for your, your great love for our nation, for the United States. Lord, we just thank you for your protection over our republic, Lord. I just thank you, Father God, that you are watching over our freedom, Father God our freedom, our election system, all the elected officials, Lord, we do pray a blessing over them, Father God. We thank you, Father God, that we do have liberty and justice for everyone in America, Lord. We thank you for it now in Jesus' name. I did not hear the speech, but I heard that President Biden said that he wanted unity. So I pray on his behalf, regardless of his motive or his definition of unity, that you breathe life into those words for unity in our nation, Lord, in a way that we cannot know or predict, and that unity is what's going to happen in our great country. In Jesus' name.
Okay, thank you. Um, praise God. God's trustworthy, huh? Okay, now I'm going to introduce Vicki, and she's going to introduce uh, the Snap Talk thing. And uh, I do want to point out just a couple of things. Um, and um, one is that these are called Snap Talks because that's what we learned about them as when we were with Harold. But I would like to open up for an alternate name to them if anybody wants to submit that. So it can be our own kind of talks. Okay? And so um, just so that all of you guys know, in case Vicky doesn't go into the details, um, I got one thing I've got to do here. It's a 15-minute talk, a, a five-minute Q&A. <laughs> here you go. No, not yet. I'll take care of this. And, and it's an open topic. No, no, no. I'm, I'm done. I'm done. Uh, there you go. Okay. I'm super excited about this. I don't, I don't know why, but I am. Because I feel like everybody in this room has something that they could stand up here, teach on, talk on, be passionate about, embrace it, and own it, and share it with us, and let us know where Holy Spirit has taken you in your journey of life, you know, the living part of us that is um, kingdom. And so I, I was just super excited. And so um, uh, for those of you uh, that don't know, again, it is uh, at the conference, it's always 20 minutes and no questions, but this is Joyland. <laughs> so it's 15 minutes, and uh, we're going to give you about five to maybe seven minutes worth of questions. If you have them, if you don't, that's fine. But uh, the first person who is going to do it is Sterling, and um, Sterling is has been a part of Joyland forever. Um, he and Laurel and Riley just do a lot of things here. And so come on up, Sterling. And um, don't be intimidated by your little clock, but you will have a clock that you will see a 15-minute oh, okay. countdown. Awesome. And um, and so you're, you, you've got it. Thank you, sound guy. Okay, um, we'll need to keep that mic here and turn around. And uh, be ready, because I'm going to ask you some things. Yes, sir. <laughs> Okay, um, I didn't want to teach on this today. Honestly, uh, I'm going through an evolution in it and trying to understand some new things, and I don't know that I'm ready for it, but I'm going to get you to a point, and you'll get to tell me if I'm on point. So um, who here knows Heidi Baker? There's nobody that doesn't. Okay. All right, so... Um, Years ago, we actually had, I think, days and days of teachings on some kind of USB drive, and we would just listen to them forever and ever, one teaching after the other. And she had this school. There were all these really great teachers, but she was one of them. And I absolutely loved it. I just kind of soaked in it for a really long time. She's known as the crazy lady, right? Um, does anybody know what her favorite word is? Shaba, right? <laughs> Shaba. Uh, um, so, you know, something that she talks about is that she started in the dirt. She started in the dirt in Mozambique where God really led her to live on the streets with people and these orphans, uh, millions of them quite literally, uh, are feeding her things like dead cats that are rotten 
and they thought it was really funny. And so she lived with them homeless and slowly but surely developed a strategy. Obviously, Holy Spirit was speaking to her um, to build something that was really meaningful and really helpful to these children who were orphans, most of which have died from um, that their parents died from HIV or AIDS. Uh, it just ravished the country. So it was really horrible. And, you know, one thing that she's always talked about is stopping for the one right? Stopping for the one. You recognize that child's need. They're starving. They have no water. What do you do? And you recognize that particular need and you fulfill it. Not that difficult. So she's always said, stop for the one, stop for the one. And now she has this massive ministry. I don't know how many kids she's got, but a lot. We actually have some folks who have been there. Anybody here been to Africa to her ministry? You have? Oh, Oh my gosh. Oh, I'd love to hear about that. That's super cool. Somebody else I learned from. More hours and hours of teaching on disk or USB drive or something is Dan Muller. Everybody knows Dan Muller, right? Most of you were here when he was here just recently. And um, he's actually dealt with a lot of hurting people, people with significant issues who come and they say, you know, my husband's not doing this. My husband's not doing that. And he says, well, what about you? What's your part in it? And uh, if some of you probably have some one liners in your head, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, He has this really refreshing revelation that Jesus didn't die to get you out of hell, but to put heaven inside of you. That's really big. And it's something that changed my life pretty radically. Listening to these two people really kind of impressed upon me this need to change personally. Okay. And that really conflicts with what I was taught as a kid. Uh, The Southern Baptist Convention, ever heard of them? Right. (laughs) Uh, Turn or burn, right? All or nothing, most are going to hell for sure. Stay away from those people. In fact, I, as a kid, my parents showed me this thing when I was deep into drugs and stuff like that. Uh, it was that rock and roll is evil. It's from the devil. Well, we know that's not true, right? No way. Um, the end is nigh, right? It is coming. It is here. You had better be ready otherwise, right? And so the primary confession, the primary goal is this confession for fire insurance, right? So I want to contrast that now with something that many of you know. And okay, I'm going to ask for one thing you memorize from this. Don't look it up in your phone or in your Bible. 1 Corinthians 13, what is love? Come up here and tell me one of those things. Janet's got one. Wait, no, no, hang on. No, hang on. You just got to have a good sound guy. Love is patient. Love is patient, okay. What's another one? Just coming up. Love is kind. <laughs> awesome. What else? And if you're Tim, Brittany, you can't come up here and just recite them all. I know you got to memorize. Love endures all things. Love endures all things. That's a really good one. Holds no record of wrong. Ooh. 
What else? What are we missing? Is not jealous. It's not jealous. Is long suffering. Long suffering. I like that one. Doesn't keep a record of wrong. That's right. <laughs> I'm waiting for the it's not boastful. Not boastful. Okay. There's one more that I'm waiting for. Come on, Larry. You got to do it. <laughs> Love never fails. Ooh, that's a really good one. That was not the one I was thinking of, though. There's still one more. Love does not seek its own. Love does not seek its own. So um, it seeks to understand other people. Uh, it seeks compassion. It seeks the heart of others. It doesn't seek a list of rules. And so something Dan Muller said uh, was he was talking with somebody and he said, this isn't love. When, when you tell somebody, I love you, do you love me? Do you love me too? If your love is so that you can get someone to reciprocate, you're probably doing it wrong, right? And that's something that's really, really hard for me because um, I'm a hopeless romantic. So I like quality time, physical touch, like all the things you see in a movie, all that stuff, the romantic parts, that's me. But I married somebody, and I think God is laughing at me. Uh, she doesn't like any of those things. She doesn't feel any of that stuff. The physical touch, she says, no, you're giving me a hot flash. Don't touch me. Um, when it comes to the quality time, she's like, oh, that's great. That's fantastic. We're doing all these things together, but can you like go dust for a bit? Because she's all about acts of service and gifts. And so it's taken me years to let these things die so that I can get more effective at being really good at loving my wife. Okay. And those things, how I know that I'm loving my wife. Well, uh, recently I gave her a gift and that gift was actually hundreds of pictures of mostly people in this room. And they were things that I'd taken over the years with my phones, my different phones that were saved. And I printed those out at Walmart, hundreds of them. And as she's looking through them, she's bawling her eyes out. <laughs> Some of you are wearing funny wigs for like an 80s party. Some of you are playing poker. And they're just fantastic photos. And so now we have a bunch of them all over our walls in our house. And right? It's a good gift, right? but it took a really long time to get there. Okay. Um, another way that I knew that I was doing well uh, with the acts of service, I recently had a friend. Um, he's a missionary that we support and um, he was here. We were just having a family meeting, a bunch of families getting together and Laurel, you know, she had her hip surgery and so she's not doing so well. She couldn't get up and walk around very well. And so I'm asking her periodically, can I get you something to drink? Can I get you something to eat? Can I get you a napkin? Can I do this? Can I do that? And he stops me while I'm on a trip and he says, dude, you got to quit doing that. You're making me look bad. <laughs> so that's how I know I'm doing well with my acts of service, right? So I'm going out of my way to understand how do I love her the way that she can receive it 
And how do I effectively go out of my way to find opportunities to love in a way that she can actually respond? And she's not going to respond the way I want. That's the hard part. We are not, we're not connected like that. Where, you know, automatically I'm going to do something and you're going to do something right away and it's going to be perfect. It's not like the movies. So I'll do the dishes, I'll vacuum, and she gets home and she says, wow, you really love me. And I say, yeah, I hated that. That was not fun at all. (laughs) Or um, I'll get her that record and she'll say, it's not quite the right one, but thanks for trying. Special record, that special gift. And so I have a question for you. What are you doing? What are those things that when you recognize that love language that somebody has, when you see that they have a specific need, how are you meeting that need, that one person? How are you actually recognizing that, you know, I could fulfill that one thing and I know they would feel loved. What are those things you're doing actively? We've got three minutes. What are some ways that you recognize somebody feels loved and you go out of your your way to do it well? Come on, Ronnie. It's a really good question. And it's kind of, I have to admit, something I don't know the answer to. (laughs) I appreciate the honesty, yeah. yeah. It's hard. I mean, I think I do these things that show Doug I love him, like cook and clean and, you know, make him food. While he's doing his thing, you know, and I think that that's an act of service. Absolutely. Which uh, he is an act of service guy and a gifts guy like Laurel. And I'm like you. <laughs> yeah. 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 So. Um, My husband has to process a lot. And I listen a lot. And I try not to interrupt And that's hard. A lot. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so I too. Um, One has to do with my mother, who um, was taught how to drive in Seattle on PCH in a TR3 by my dad when she was pregnant. And she said, okay, they spun out. I'm done. So my mother never drove her whole life after that. Wow. Um, so my act of service to her, because hers was quality of time when I lived in Minnesota, um, I drove her every Saturday to do all her errands, Walgreens, all the different stores, go to lunch, and spend quality time with her every week. And then when I lived in California, we would ship her out for three months at a time in the summer. That's a lot of quality so, time. Yes. And that's, and she always would say, I know that my daughters love me because of all that you do for me. So that's one. Um, I'm going to get brave enough to say this one. Okay. So with my ex husband, um, he had insecurities and I tried to work away around them. And I knew his love languages and he didn't want to learn mine. Um, but he wanted to lose weight. And when I would approach him with ways on how to do that, he would say, well, you're, you're dishing on me. You want me to lose weight. And so I'm like, Oh Lord, Holy spirit, help me here. What do I do? So I went and got three brochures on three different things, programs and put them on his 
nightstand and said, here's some things you might want to read through. They might be options. And the Holy Spirit told me to do that. So there was his selection and he chose. So that was how I got around into his love language. Sometimes it's complicated, right? Yeah. We have five minutes for questions, but you can feel free to do your thing too. You had it all memorized, didn't you? First okay. Corinthians 13. No. <laughs> had no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> but with, uh, with Meg, I know her first is touch. And I'm getting better at that. That wasn't my thing either. I like quality time, but the touch thing, not so much. And I like it more and more now, and I like it for her. But yeah. the other thing I know that she appreciates is gifts. <laughs> so I've learned her size, and I learned the Chico's catalog and I know if I really want to please her, I fire something out of Chico's. <laughs> Good job. Good job. She's Look at her. She's popping her collar. <laughs> um, this is actually me on the receiving end. It's too perfect not to share because today Adam texted me and said, go to the door. And there was someone handing me a pumpkin spice latte. <laughs> uh... <laughs> Good job. Good job. Earning the points. Are any questions? Oh, okay. Of course you're going to ask the first question. Oh, okay. Uh, I texted somebody who has been out of town for a while just to let him know. I was thinking of him and asked him how he was doing. There you go. That's one thing. Another yeah. was um, I grow vegetables and I give them to lots of people. You do, yeah. Yeah. I love that. They're good. Out of the abundance of your garden and heart. Okay. Um, so my question to you would be, how did you handle what feels like rejection when that person isn't giving you what, you know, like you said, you, you like touch. Right, right. But Laurel does not. Yeah. How did you handle that rejection, like at its core thing? Working yeah. through that. How did you work through that? Okay, so that's a really loaded question with a very loaded answer. Um, uh, so I didn't really know any different. I had a lot of physical touch from family in a way that was just so over the top that I felt as if that was absolutely the norm. You know, the baseline was we would literally, for fun, go around and smack each other's butts in the kitchen. I can't do, my wife would slap me in the face if I did that. So um, that, that's one thing that really bothers her. What's that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, maybe I should just work on that, right? <laughs> Get those face slaps in. So um, really what it boiled down to was I, I have this thing that I'm really insecure about because I'm not getting it. So I questioned my, questioned my own value in that respect. And from that, I had to work through, well, is my value really tied in physical stuff? Or is it different than that? And really, I had to let it die. That's what it boiled down to. I had to let it die. It's not always the easiest thing, you know, because you still come back to wow, this is odd. I still don't have that thing. This is where it becomes uncomfortable. Like, why? I don't know that I'm ready to talk about this still. Um, 
But ultimately, I keep going back to, is that really where it's at? Is it all about the physical or is there something more to this that's much, much deeper from God? And so sometimes I have to let it die over and over. (laughs) Can I just ask ask you to expound on that a little and just say, do you feel like it's got to die or just I need to really change my expectations that what I'm hoping for won't be met versus my wife will never let me touch her. I mean, to put it in a ridiculous sense, is it more, you know, so it's more kind of adjusting. Um, what do I how, What makes me feel loved? <laughs> okay. So we have tools. Uh-huh. These are the tools. I have these little metal object things, you know, like those things, those pokey things you put on your head and it feels really good. So she doesn't actually have to touch me at all. She just uses the machine <laughs> or like a back scratcher. These are the compromises. Okay. So, um, it's not the easiest thing, right? Uh, and but those are the things that we do. Are, are we still going? No. We're done. I'm done. All right. Sterling's done. Give him a hand. So if we were doing this like how they do it at the conference, literally a buzzer goes off, the mic turns off, and it's basically get off the stage now. Okay. So, all right. So um, this is a real treat for me. Uh, my little sister, um, we got to go to Oregon to see our other sister, and Laurel and I and Sharon and Terry hung out for a good week. And um, so uh, some things happened, and, and I, I was talking to them about, oh, gosh, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do. And my little sister said, well, well I'll, do a, I'll do a talk. And I said, okay, that really, because, well, you know, I mean... So she's going to come up and she is going to talk and um, she's very nervous, just so you know, because she told me that she goes, I'm shaking. And um, so, uh, you know, I want you guys to like give her a really good, you know, good welcome because we got to We got to relax her. Okay. Oh, my gosh. Okay, I can't even remember the last time I talked in front of people, a long time ago. Um, so Vicki asked me to do Snapchat, and she said, you know, do something that I enjoy, something I know, make it about 50 minutes, but she never said anything about questions. <laughs> so I'm like, ah. But anyway, my topic is, is an enjoyable one, at least I'd like to think it is, and um, I love learning about quantum physics, and I think some of you guys like that too, right? So anyway, quantum science is the study of matter and energy at the most fundamental level, at the atoms, the photons, the electrons. Um, It seeks to uncover uncover the properties, see I'm so nervous, um, and behaviors of the very building blocks of nature. I love quantum because to me, it places God outside of the box that I've always had him in, and it makes all things possible that are possible with God. So I want to talk about energy, frequency, and words that we speak, and I want to share Words can be either used for the good or for the bad. Science shows that energy is everywhere. We all know this. The universe and all of us are energy. The chairs you're sitting in are energy. The carpet you walk on, 
the instruments, we're all energy. We just are at different frequencies, moving at different frequencies and vibrations. Um, let's see. And since we and everything is energy, quantum physics has concluded that there is entanglement of all things. Entanglement is basically like um, two photons that are at different places. They come together and they mesh together so much that you can't tell one from the other. It's kind of like a tango dance. Um, when you see tango dancers, they're fluid. They're moving together. You can't see one from the other, or you don't see the movements being chaotic or anything. There's this fluidity there. So anyway, um, I often think about um, the relationship with Papa God um, and that we are made in his image, and we are full of light, energy, spirit. And then it makes sense that we are also entangled with him kind of like the fourth person of the Trinity, <laughs> all of us, <laughs> humanity. Um, and that, um, um, let's see, so we give off vibrations and frequencies, and we think and feel and produce vibration frequencies that can change our world or us for the better or for the negative. So anyway, our thoughts are very potent, and our minds are very, very strong. And I think scripture has a lot to say about our minds. Um, Philippians 4.8, of course, we all know this one. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, just pure, lovely, commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Um, Paul says to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And Proverbs 4.23, um, be careful what you think because your thoughts run your life. Proverbs 23.7, so as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. In the New Testament, thought and emotion can be said to occur in the mind, and the word head is referred to 360 times, and the word mind is referred to 96 times in the New Testament. These stats alone should be worthy of contemplating what I find to be fascinating, right? There was a test regarding quantum entanglement that was done. Some of you might know about this test, and I'm hoping to explain it right because it basically was told to me by Steve McVeigh over a, a video chat, and some of you know him too. Um, two men, strangers, sat down together face-to-face. -face. They each were connected uh, to an ele electroencephalogram, a device that measures brain waves, and they were also um, connected to an uh, echocardiogram that measures your heart rate. They were asked to stare at each other for 15 minutes. When they were finished with that, they became very emotional, after they, that, they were asked to speak to one of them, asking questions about their lives. What kind of a job do you have? Are you married? Do you have children? What are your hobbies? All of this happening while their heart rates remained individual and, were, and their brain waves remained individual. But after that was done, they took the two men and they put them into Faraday cages in different states. And, and they began to ask them, you know, I want you to think about so-and-so, and I want you to think about so-and-so. And as they did that, their emotions began to develop, and thoughts began to happen, and their brain waves and their heartbeats meshed together and could not be, they entangled. They could not be, it wasn't his and it wasn't his. They were all meshed together. So that says something to me. <laughs> that says that there's really something active that we have that um, is beautiful. So anyway, um, let's see. 
This experiment, like I said, showed entanglement uh, about our thoughts and our attentions and emotions. They're very powerful, and they're um, an energy that is a very cosmic force, and it can be for the good or for the bad. If thoughts, intent, and emotions can be so powerful, then what about our words? Scripture has a lot to say about our tongues. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit, Proverbs 18.21. A good man brings good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored in his heart. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of, Luke 4.20, uh, 6.45. In Genesis chapter 1, the phrase, and God said, is mentioned eight times. Here we see our God creating by his words. He spoke vibration and intention, and the first thing he spoke was, let there be light. The very first energy source that formed and lit up the cosmos was light. James 3, chapter, um, James chapter 3, verse 4 says, he compares um, the huge ships that uh, can turn by a very small rudder, uh, rudder um, wherever the pilot chooses to go, to the smallest of this tongue that has the power to control your life. It's a fire, it's a stumbling block, it's untamed, and unfortunately, we praise and curse with it all at the same time. So, let me tell you this funny story that got me onto quantum. I was at a cafe at 4.30 in the afternoon, just sitting there sipping coffee, and all these strange-looking people kept coming in, and they were carrying drums and djembes and congos, and I asked the guy at the bar, I said, well, what's going on? He says, well, we're going to have what you call a drum circle, and I said, a drum circle? What is that, you know? And they go, well, we get together, and we just kind of, you know, do our thing, and we play drums, and we share stuff, and I was like, well, that's really cool. I think I'm going to sit and watch what happens. So I'm sitting there, and this lady comes in, and she's very tiny, and she's all decked out, kind of in an African dress, and she comes in. She goes, okay, okay, we're going to have a drum circle, and I'm watching all this. I'm like, hmm, so everyone sits around, and they start with giving thankfulness and sharing thankfulness and gratefulness, and I thought, wow, that's really cool. You know, they're all sharing thankful and great, and she turns to me at the bar, and she says, well, what are you thankful for? And I went, me? You know? She goes, yeah, what are you thankful for? And I go, well, I'm thankful to be here. And she goes, well, that's really nice. So anyway, she goes, do you have your water bottles? And, I, and, I, and I'm like, water bottles, you know? And she goes, do you all have? And they're all going, yeah, we have our water bottles. And on their bottles, they're decorated, big, giant, 64 ounces, decorated with words like love, health, peace, kindness, and um, just all these beautiful words. And they're all painted. And she goes, okay. She goes, great, great. And so she goes, well, let's give thanks for the water. And so they gave thanks to the water, and they began to drink it. And I thought, this is really weird. And so I'm asking Papa, I'm like, Papa, what's going on here? This is really kind of strange to me. But at the same time, I was looking at Jesus being the living water, and I was looking at this scenario, and it was just kind of crazy. So anyway... um, I, I didn't just discount it, is what I'm saying. So anyhow, she goes, well, and, and it, it was just amazing. So anyhow, they're giving, they're drumming. I'm kind of sitting there going, wow, this is kind of cool. The atmosphere was beautiful. The, the thankfulness and gratefulness was flowing. Um, just experiences in life were being shared. And then all of a sudden, oh my gosh, six minutes. And then all of a sudden, um, um, she, she brings out this paper and these papers, and she starts to pass them around. So there's a scientist called um, Matsuro Emoto, 
And he's done experience regarding water. And he has proven that when you speak to water with negativity, it changes the crystallization of the, of the droplet of water that's been freezed and, and, and uh, photographed. So, um, Larry, if you could, there's some examples right here. Um, this example here is heavy metal music. So he took a glass of water and he exposed it to heavy metal music, took a drop it, and then he froze it. And this is the example of heavy metal music. He had somebody speak into a glass of water to say, with intent and purpose, you make me sick and I'm going to kill you. This is how the water formed. Then he showed a picture to water of Adolf Hitler. Strange, I know, but that's what formed as the crystal. Then he spoke thankfulness to the water, and the water formed this beautiful symmetrical crystal. And love and appreciation for the water and the water beautiful crystal. And then he showed a picture of Mother Teresa, and the drop of water showed this beautiful crystal. So there's other examples. There's thank you, wisdom, truth, eternal, you fool. How, how does Papa say never to call anybody a fool? You fool. Peace. I love you. This is one for angel. This is one for you make me sick. This is one for evil. And this is one for polluted water before prayer and polluted water after prayer. And the scientist Masura Emoto said that by our words, water has the conscious ability to change its form, molecular form. So, let's see. When I go back to chapter 1, verse 2, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, what was happening there? The waters had already been created. Was the Spirit making the water more alive than the energy it already had? These are questions I ask myself. These are questions that let me think, well, yeah, that could be. You know, I wonder about that. Is there a tie to Jesus being the living water and that water can actually change with words for, the, for beautiful things? Um, our world needs water to make things grow, and our human bodies hold 60% of water. Our cells maintain water. And um, when I think about these pictures, if words, music, and, uh, and, and, and things like that can affect water for good or bad, could we possibly speak healing to our bodies since we have water in our cells? There's another science called epigenetic that states that we most definitely can. There's a lot of proof for that one, too. Um, so, have you ever spoken something in anger to someone and watched their countenance change? I have. I would tell, I would tell you about that. It, it was bad. We speak negative things to ourselves all the time. And even knowing this, I still do. When I pray, I have to have intention and purpose in that prayer, and I have to be moved by the Father to do it. So when I pray, I think, what is it that I want? What is it that God would want? And what is it that this person needs or wants? And when it all aligns up with intent and my, my own voice, I speak things out loud for this person. 
and I show emotion, and I see this person doing things that they cannot do now, such as walking or talking or lifting things or whatever. And I do that, and I place that vision, that intent, that purpose, that conversation, that that speaking in my heart like a seed, and I let it go. And usually I find out that something miraculous changes in these people. And um, so I don't know. Um, Some say this is New Age stuff, and I just don't see it that way. To me, science and religion uh, are not separate from one another. They really prove to me that God is absolutely amazing. To me, they blend in a beautiful way to show more of the kingdom that I and perhaps all of us should be walking in. Identify negative behaviors and thoughts such as guilt, shame, hopelessness, feelings of defeat, doubt, and sickness, and reprogram those with words that align with what God says about you. Find some I am statements in scripture and speak them. Speak over your enemies. And I thought it was beautiful tonight, Larry, you sharing that and everyone speaking like that, because these words make a difference. These vibrations and frequencies go out and they change things. And... um, So many times I fail to really even understand this concept, but the more that I do understand it and the more that I walk in it, knowing that my voice, my words have an effect, um, I see wonderful changes that happen in my life and in the lives of others. So thank you. That was difficult. (laughs) I can't tell you how difficult that was. (laughs) So... Anyway, if anyone has any questions, I'll try to answer some questions. So there's a thing called verbal homeopathy, where you speak your affirmations over the water you're going to drink that day, and then you drink it in. All the affirmations that you put into the water go into you. Yes, and that's where I think that lady was coming from. I didn't get the whole gist of it, but it was, they were drinking and believing that it changed them somehow. And have you seen people changed by that? Oh, absolutely. It's, yes. It's, yes. Um, frequency and all that stuff is all important. It's very important. Self-talk is huge. Mm-hmm. Yes. Thank you. I have like a, a thought and that might be a question. I don't know. It's something I'm pondering as I look here. So because this is water and it was turned into ice crystals, it could be recorded as evidence and we can see. But because we have, you know, kingdom authority and we're sons, Mm -hmm. I wonder if um, our voice carries the same authority to other elements and other things, but it's just not as measurable because we can't take a picture like that. Well, I think that it can. I think absolutely that it can. I think that... Um, like I said, we all have spoken horrible things to people and just see their countenance fall, you know, and it's, it, but it's not even that it's the after effect of how they hide from you or how they, they feel shunned or whatever. It just moves on. So yes, I do think that we have the power to, and the ability to do that with things. So, so I have a comment. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree with you on that, but to even take it a step further, I, I forget, what is the percentage of water in a human? Do you... uh, average human is 65%. 65%. Okay, so I'm going to use my healing experience as an example. Um, I was in a 15-year worker comp case. I had neurotoxic black mold poisoning and 
um, formaldehyde a level of 75 in my system. I did some, the Lord opened up um, uh, an ability for me to go to Minnesota and I did electrodermal testing and cancer came up along with all the mold, everything that came up on the doctor's thing. So I had people in California that saw me sick for 15 years um, and I knew that I needed to get out of there because none of them in their mind and it starts in your mind and it comes out your mouth, they did not see or could not see or believe that I would ever be healed. So um, the Lord removed me from there. But I know one of the most major things, I've, my um, life group leader gave me a book called Hung by the Tongue. It's like mm -hmm. $8. That's so cool. <laughs> It's one of the best books ever written on the power of words. So, um, so here I have this cancer, and she says, don't worry about that. We're going to turn this around. But what I did is I envisioned my cells with smiley faces on. I spoke over my cells. That's right. That's right. You are happy today. You are healed today. You are well today. Nothing came out of my mouth. And when I came here, and I thought I was going to Bible college, but I wasn't, the green door, but I did go to healing school and I actually would have people ask me, what's wrong with you? Nothing. That's right. Yeah, but you're having this problem. Nothing is wrong with me. I am perfectly and wonderfully made and nothing came out of my mouth that was negative. Mm -hmm. And I've been right. healed of like five incurable things. I mm -hmm. don't have any cancer that's mm -hmm. come up. I had no killer cells. I couldn't walk, talk, sit, stand, and there were 60 hours of housekeeping mm -hmm. help. So mm -hmm. by changing my words and the yes. people's words around, words coming at me, I was healed pretty much. And, and that is the science of epigenetics too. So that's, that's really awesome. Um, anybody else? First commentary, if I closed my eyes and I was listening, I'd say, oh, Vicky speaking. Oh, <laughs> you two sound exactly sound alike. alike. Yeah. Uh, and the same wonderful personalities. Um, I just wanted to make a comment, actually. It, you talked about quantum uh, entanglement. Mm -hmm. uh, we recently were a part of a quantum, quantum entanglement prayer. Mm -hmm. that went around the world. It was Nancy Cohn who attends church here, mm -hmm. and she's with Global Ascension. Mm -hmm. And she called for our time. It was 3 o'clock in the morning, but mm -hmm. you said, we set the alarm and we'll pray mm -hmm. with you. Her granddaughter was severely ill. It was a very rare disease that was passed down mm -hmm. uh, through the Hebrew line. I think the uh, Abenazi tribe or something, I might have that oh, right, wow. but it's close to that. And her whole body was wretched. I mean, you know, she could cough and everything was dislocated and she was extreme pain. And Nancy just called for that prayer on 2 two twenty two, and her granddaughter was going to become 22. And on that day, she, she asked everybody to pray mm -hmm. that quantum prayer, entanglement prayer, mm -hmm. And her granddaughter was healed. Wow. And she's awesome. doing wonderful. So that's you're awesome. definitely on to something with your quantum physics and entanglement. Well, I just think it's fascinating. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's just fascinating. Thank you, Terry. Awesome job. Okay, so that is a Snapchat or whatever we'll wind up calling it, because I'm sure, because we're very creative and inventive people in this room. So uh, we are going to continue to do that because um, the joy of our hearts is to be able to hear these dynamics that are going on in your lives. It's just living 
breathing, glorious God stuff that that's happening in your life. And, um, and I learned a lot tonight from Sterling and Terry and aspects of things that, you know, I need to do some work, you know. And so um, these will be continued, and I will be asking you to do them. So I will come up to you and I will say, will you do a Snapchat? And I hope you guys will say yes, because as scary as it is, as, as um, you know, awkward as you may feel, you have a voice and you have something to offer this fellowship and the kingdom and the world. And so when we talk about quantum entanglement or we talk about how to love better, we're going to take that out into society. We're going to take that into our sphere of influence and we're going to do just wonderful things with what you are teaching us what you are experiencing, and how you do life. And so I can grab a piece of you and put it in me, and you can grab a piece of me and put it in you. And, and, it, and it just makes for a wonderful, I feel like, opening of what the body of Christ is all about. And so if I do ask you, please say yes, <laughs> because... I feel rejected when you say no. <laughs> anyway, um, so did you want to say something more, Larry? <laughs> I, what can I say? Like I said, I got to work on that. Uh, so yeah, we're gonna we're, we're gonna have these as a regular part of the rotation of Joyland. We're not gonna do Snapchats every week. We're gonna do them every several weeks. Yeah. Ask who? Oh yeah, absolutely. And Zoomers, that's one thing I wanted to mention. You guys are more than welcome to do this. What would happen if you chose to do it as, as on Zoom is you get pinned and projected up on the back wall and you're bigger than life and we can hear you and, uh, you'll be on the screen. So yes, absolutely. Uh, would expect some of you to be able to share. Um, the other, only other connection that I wanted to make with it is this idea of image bearing. We have a tendency to reduce that down to what we already think of as ministry function. But what the one thing that uh, the years that we've seen these snap talks in, in Harold's conference, it was like getting uh, one of those high school annuals with all the photographs in it of what was going on in the kingdom. And it could be everything. And so one talk could be about a missionary. One could talk about, you know, loving quantum. But this is what you are. You are somebody who God sees the world through in a unique way, and you're somebody who sees God working in the world in your life in a unique way. And it's really, really important for us. And the the, the de-religiousizing, the de-hierarchizing, the de-ministryizing that can come if you will speak these things out that are part of your life can, I really think, be a big part in transforming us as a body and, and learning and releasing a whole bunch of stuff. So uh, the format's going to stay pretty close to the same, probably, maybe modify a little bit. We'll be having it every several weeks. We'll have a, uh, whatever it's going to be called Friday or Snap Talk Friday. And uh, yeah, anyway, uh, realize it's, it's a way to get our image-bearing status out. So I think that's it, right, worship team? 